Good morning, everyone. Bishop Ed, it is a joy and a privilege to be with you this morning. Thank you for inviting us. It's an exciting day, and it's a busy day. There's so much going on. The installation of a new rector, there are people to be confirmed this afternoon, and of course, Chris will be ordained tonight as a priest in the Lord's Church. In preparation for today, I was thinking about What does the Lord want us to do on this day that is a Eucharistic feast, this Sunday in which every Sunday throughout the church of the year, we're supposed to be celebrating Easter because our Lord, our Savior, he has risen. And because he's risen, he animates our life with hope in everything that we do, not just death, but for living. And I was thinking about this community of faith that I've never spoken to and that I only know people in your leadership but that I've witnessed from afar. And I was thinking how this morning, one of the things I was supposed to say to you is how blessed you are, that you are a blessed people. I'm not assuming that you don't know that you're blessed, but every once in a while, it's important to remind ourselves that we are blessed. I was thinking this morning about how you're blessed because of Paul being installed as a rector this morning. Over the last three and a half years in our times of getting to know Paul and talk to him, it's clear that he certainly cares deeply about each of you and that he cares about this community of faith and that he carries you in his heart and in his prayers. And we know that the longing of his heart is to be a peaceful and healing presence in your midst. We have no doubt that he'll faithfully transmit to you the message, but not just the message, the very life of Christ himself through the ministry of word and sacrament in the days ahead. And we're confident that he will be a gentle shepherd in your midst as he follows the good shepherd. When a community of faith has a gentle shepherd who will faithfully minister to them Christ through word and sacrament, walk beside them in their sufferings and struggles, not condemn them or judge them, but rather speak Christ's words of forgiveness and comfort to them, and bear them before God in prayer, whether in private or in public, then that community of faith is truly blessed because that is not always the model of ministry in the contemporary church. But it is the ministry of Jesus Christ that has been passed down in the church throughout the ages. This morning, Paul, we're praying for you and the family as you're installed as the rector of this community. We were thinking that this community of faith here called Sanctuary Church is blessed. You're blessed because of Brent and Janice. For many years, Brent and Janice have touched so many of you through their teaching and prayer, their wisdom and compassion, They've shared with you extraordinary gifts of insight about relationships, marriage, family, caring for oneself, and a host of other topics. Their gift of hospitality, of counsel, the constancy of presence has been a source of blessing to so many of you. A kind word, a gentle hug, a sense of empathy from their lives has enabled some of you to keep saying yes to the Lord to his plans and to his purposes for your life and this community of faith. You're blessed this morning because they are a part of you. Tonight, Chris will be ordained as a priest in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Chris, that day has finally come. 
And it's clear that for many years, Chris has been a local favorite here in this faith community. I mean, we've known about Chris for many years from some of the universities that he's taught at, but as we would listen to younger people than us and and even Chris talk, he's a bit of a rock star when he comes to some of these churches and he teaches. And we know that he's been a favorite here because every time he's come through town, he has opened up a text from sacred scripture helping you to see new things, make new discoveries, or to think a little differently than you previously had about God, about faith, about the church, or even about other people. He's helped you to see something that you maybe had not seen before, that made you more loving, more tolerant, more human, more Christ-like. And for some of you, he has helped to revisit a particular text of scripture that you may have struggled with and had become an obstacle to your faith. And still even others, those of you who are on the verge of leaving the faith or leaving the church, have been able to hang in there because he helped you feel safe, he helped you feel welcome, and not so crazy. A few weeks ago, we sent Chris a text as we were praying for him. And as we were praying for him, we shared with him that we felt that his charism could be explained like this that he had been called to descend into the pain, desolation, isolation, and hurt of others in order to bring the light, the love, and the hope of Christ back into their lives. And of course, this is exactly how Paul described the ministry of Jesus in the great Christ hymn of Philippians 2. And so you are blessed because of Chris and his family's presence in your midst. You're blessed here at Sanctuary because of your support staff. I was thinking in particular this morning about Jason and Shelby. I was thinking about how they care and provide for those who are little and young, those in whom our future lies, those who are most vulnerable in our midst, and for those whom God loves so very much. They serve in so many ways in which no one sees or no one knows. And they lead you in songs and hymns and spiritual songs that allow your times together to be inhabited by the living God. I was thinking about how you're blessed to have Shelby and Jason in your midst. And you're blessed to have Bishop Ed. And we pray for the bishops that we are aware of in the communion that has now reached into 22 countries over the last three decades. And when we pray for you, Bishop Ed, it's just automatic. We never just pray for you. We pray for Bishop Ed and Gail. And so she's very much a part of you and of what we pray for. Sanctuary Church is not the byproduct of some recent event, but for many years of apostolic and pastoral work here in this city in which so many have been touched through them and their family and been drawn into a deeper sense and desire for God. So many who oftentimes have been on the verge of giving up, but have stayed on the path that leads to life because of their ministry and their witness. Through them and others that I've mentioned today, so many of you have felt like you had come home here when nowhere else seemed quite like home. In so many ways, you are an extension of the various things that Bishop Ed has carried in his heart 
at various stages of life and dared to be transparent with you and share the treasures that he had discovered with you in this community of faith at the, at the cost of great risk, a risk of great cost, because those things had brought life to him. And he wanted you to enter in and experience that life also. You're especially blessed with the bishop's presence here. Because he's at a stage in life that, quite frankly, he doesn't have to be here. But he's chosen to be here. And I'm grateful today. And I feel blessed for Bishop Ed's presence and for his friendship and for his life because of his continual yes to the Lord. And because of that, we're blessed. But most of all, Sanctuary Church is blessed because of each of you who are gathered here whose names will not be mentioned in this introduction. Those of you who gather here each week who are the faithful, the baptized, this community is really blessed because of you. The people of God who faithfully gather here each week to offer your praise through song, to listen for a word from above on the pages of sacred scripture, to receive nourishment for your soul and strength for the week ahead as you come and receive Holy Communion. You are blessed because even in a year that the world has experienced a great pandemic in which there has been so much loss and so much grief and even death, you have continued to choose to love God and to love each other and to find significance and importance in this community of faith. You have continued to be generous with your time, your energy, your gifts, and your money. You've continually offered the sacrifice of praise, of your personhood, and of the purse to the Lord. And this has not been true for all communities in the West. Many communities no longer exist that existed just a few short months ago. This morning, I felt led deep in my heart to remind you that you're blessed. You are the beloved of God. You're precious to the heart of God. And this morning, I simply want to begin by saying that I'm humbled to be with you. You are the brothers and sisters of Jesus. You are members of the body of Christ. You're children of the living God. And he lives in you. He lives in you. And to be with you this morning, for me is an honor because I'm being near the Lord. <laughs> I'm humbled to be with you. You're blessed. Many years ago, more than I want to admit, over five decades ago, almost six, I had just become a Christian. And I was in the living room with my father and he was watching the evening no news and there was an anti-war protest taking place during the Vietnam War. And there was a protester holding a sign, and the sign said, Jesus, yes, Christians, no. And that sign always stuck with me. All of us are familiar with the quote that still makes my heart sink by Mahatma Gandhi that said, if he had not met a Christian, he would have become one. There's often this tremendous disconnect between Jesus and those of us who follow him. And when that happens, we become a distraction to what Christianity is. And why is that? Because we often make Christianity about something other than Christ. In the American church, 
We are forever trying to get God to come down and fit into our story rather than lifting up our hearts and our minds so that we might fit into God's story. The invitation of the New Testament is not that God comes down and chases us around like a herd of cats. No offense to cats. But the story of the New Testament is that the Son of God has appeared that we might see him and we might hear him. We might be captivated by him and hear his voice to our heart that says, follow me. Follow him into his story. Not always trying to drag him into our story. I think we have a picture that I'd like to put up, if we can. This fellow on the left happens to be Dr. Green's favorite theologian. He was a bishop. He died in 395. And his name was Gregory of Nyssa. This is a commentary that he wrote on the Apostle Paul's desire to keep his eyes fixed on Christ. And I'd like for Chris to read this to us. We shall be blessed with clear vision if we keep our eyes on Christ. For he, as Paul teaches, is our head, and there is in him no shadow of evil. St. Paul himself and all who have reached the same heights of sanctity had their eyes fixed on Christ, and so have all who live and move and have their being in him. And no darkness can be seen by anyone surrounded by light, so no trivialities can capture the attention of anyone who has his eyes on Christ. The man who keeps his eyes upon the head and origin of the whole universe has them on virtue in all its perfection. He has them on truth, on justice, on immortality, and on everything else that is good. For Christ is goodness itself. The wise man then turns his eyes toward the one who is his head, but the fool gropes in darkness. No one who puts his lamp under a bed instead of on a lampstand will receive any light from it. People are often considered blind and useless when they make the supreme good their aim and give themselves up to the contemplation of God. But Paul made a boast of this and proclaimed himself a fool for Christ's sake. The reason, he said, we are fools for Christ's sake, was that his mind was free from all earthly preoccupations. It was as though he said, we are blind to the life here below because our eyes are raised toward the one who is our head. And so, without board or lodging, he traveled from place to place, destitute, naked, and exhausted by hunger and thirst. When men saw him in captivity, flogged, shipwrecked, led about in chains, they could hardly help thinking him a pitiable sight. Nevertheless, even while he suffered all this at the hands of men, he always looked toward the one who is his head and asked, what can separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Jesus? Can affliction or distress? Can persecution, hunger, nakedness, danger, or death? In other words, what can force me to take my eyes from him who is my head and to turn them toward things that are contemptible? The Apostle Paul, on the pages of the New Testament, tries to communicate something so important to you and I over and over again. St. Gregory of Nyssa, this great theologian and bishop, echoes those same thoughts of St. Paul. And this is the thought. 
Christianity is Christ. Christianity is Christ. It sounds so simple, and yet history and our own personal faith experience tells us differently. Christianity is about Christ. It is about being baptized into Christ, into the body of Christ. It is about dying and rising with Christ. It is about being forgiven and loved by Christ, living in union with Christ, and being formed in the image of Christ. Christianity is about Christ. It is about receiving the living word who is Christ on the pages of sacred scripture. It is about eating and drinking the body and blood of Christ. It is about turning to Christ for spiritual, emotional, and physical healing. It is about turning to Christ for forgiveness of sin and joyfully knowing that he desires to do so when we turn to him. It is about receiving the Holy Spirit that Christ promised to pour out upon us after the ascension and being able to approach and pray to the Father without fear or trepidation as he taught us in the Our Father. Christianity is about Christ. It is about knowing him and being joined to him in his incarnation, in his baptism, in his teaching and preaching, in his transfiguration, in his compassion for the other. It is about his triumphal entry into Jerusalem that we are celebrating today. It is about knowing him and being joined to him in the mystical supper, in his crucifixion and resurrection, in his ascension, in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and living our lives in view of his coming again at the end of the age. Christianity is about Christ. It is about his concern for the poor, the outcast, the sinner, the sick, the suffering, the prisoner, the refugee, those who have no voice, the rejected and the despised, those who have been pushed to the margins of society by the powerful, those who think that certain people are privileged because of their race, their gender, or their position in society. Christianity is about Christ. It is about his stern warning to the self-righteous and to the religious, to the hateful and judgmental, to those who strive for power and prestige and riches at the expense and the exploitation of others, to those who would shut the door of the kingdom of God in the face of those who are different than they are, and to those who outwardly act as though they are pious, but inwardly they are not. Christianity is about Christ, and to the extent that our lives are immersed in his. To the degree that we live in his story and we participate in it, we are being authentically Christian. And to the extent that Christianity in our lives is about Christ and we live in union with him, we become authentic representations of the one that we call Jesus. And to the extent that we do not do this, we are simply participating in religion. Religion that does not liberate, but in fact enslaves people. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus gives the great invitation where he says, Come to me, all ye that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, how close you are to God, how far away you are from God. The rest that we all seek is found in Christ. 
Paul told us to keep our eyes fixed on Christ. Gregory of Nyssa said, fix your eyes on Christ. What can take my eyes off of Christ? And he lists all the things that potentially could. Because as long as we keep our eyes fixed on Christ, then nothing can separate us from the love of God. And if nothing can separate us from the love of God, then nothing can separate us from one another. And this is the testimony of the early church. This is the testimony of the church that conquered the world in love, not by means of force and power, but by humility and love. We must keep our eyes fixed on Christ. We must, in all things. You see, for me to be with you this morning is not to be with Ed and Chris and Paul and Brent and Janice. That's not why I'm here this morning. To be with them is to be with Christ. It's to behold Him in them, which causes me to love them, even as He loves me. No other week in the life of the church reminds us that Christianity is Christ like the one we are about to embark on. There is no other week in the Christian calendar that captures the essence of what our faith is about, from Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem to his institution of the Holy Eucharist on Thursday and his taking a towel and a basin of water and stooping down and washing the disciples' feet and commanding them to love one another to Good Friday where you and I will journey once again to Calvary and stand there at the foot of the cross with Mary and John the Beloved. And we'll behold the Son of God who stretches out his arms on the hardwood of the cross to bring each one of us within the embrace of God's love. To Easter morning, where we celebrate the resurrection and we remember that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, the eternal word, who laid down his life for our salvation and rose from the grave, the first fruits of a new creation of which you and I are a part of. It is a week for us to place ourselves back into God's story. It is a week where we place ourselves back into God's story and we allow the light and the love that this week calls us to to penetrate the very core of our being. This morning in coming, I felt impressed to remind you that you are blessed. You're blessed in so many ways. You're blessed with the koinonia, the community, the fellowship that you experience here. To remind you of what you already know, but sometimes we forget. And that is that Christianity is Christ. And to say to you that this week, this week, allow yourselves to enter back into God's story. And if you're already living in that place, ask the Lord to allow you to enter a little more deeply. that the one that this week is about will transform our lives in a way that we've yet to experience. I want to encourage you today that as we enter this week to fix your eyes on Jesus. And then I want to encourage you not to let this week pass just as another week. When we were standing just a few moments ago, I prayed this prayer. It's a prayer that we pray every day before reading sacred scripture. Jesus, King of righteousness, Son of God, and Son of man, send us your light and your truth. Jesus, light of the world, Son of God, and Son of man, we desire to sit at your feet 
and receive your word in our heart and our mind. Jesus, King of righteousness, Son of God and Son of man, send us your light and your truth. This week, would you come to him? Would you sit at his feet and just ask him, speak a word into my heart. One word from the eternal Son of God spoken in your heart will transform your very life. It's not my place to tell you what that word is. It's not someone else's. You belong to him, and he'll speak to you. He might speak a word about Eucharist. Become thankful. He might speak a word about servanthood or love. He might, he might speak a word about hope and resurrection. I don't know what word he might speak to you, but he desires to be with you. Open your hearts and allow the crucified and the risen Christ to speak his word into your heart this week. Amen.